Like a tree planted by the water, we never will run dry. So living water flowing through, God be thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to Speak. 
Amen. Has God been good to anybody this morning? Amen. I know I say this all the time, but I'm thinking this morning, where would I be if Jesus had not saved my life and set me free, changed me, transformed me? We are so glad that you're here this morning at the Stratford Heights Church of God. We just believe with all of our hearts as I'm sitting down there today, I believe that you're here on purpose. I believe that God brought you here today. He wants to speak to your life, encourage you, minister to you, to all of our visitors that are here today. We believe this. I say it every time I'm up here, among other things, but I, I say it every time I'm up here. If you're a visitor today, we believe you're home. Amen. We believe you found a church that you can get your family in, that you can get in, that you can grow in, that you can produce fruit in, or the Lord can produce that fruit in your life. And we're so glad that you're here today. Can we just clap our hands one more time and give God praise today? Amen. Today is an incredible celebration of baptism, an incredible celebration of our faith going public, for lack of a better expression today. So we're celebrating today that, and we're celebrating the Lord and your presence in this house as God's people. If you would, would you get out in the aisles and shake hands with one another and welcome each other into God's house this morning. The splendor of a king.
Well, how great is our God? Amen. Do you serve a great God this morning? Is he awesome and mighty? Is he powerful? Amen. I didn't come here just to pat a cake with you. I came here to worship and honor God. I came here to lift up his name. You're cute and all that, but I'm so proud that I know a God who is alive and on the throne this morning. He is in control. How many of you know they're all confused out there? It's all chaos out there. Who are you voting for? You don't even know. Not yet. I mean, some of you might. Don't get started. But I will say this. In all the confusion and in all the terrorism and the tragedy and all of the questions all around the whole world, I got up this morning and I said, Lord, in the midst of it all, you are still in control. You're on the throne this morning. I want you one more time. Let's put our hands together and give him great praise for he is worthy of our praise this morning. Amen. I won't preach right now. We got baptism today. We got folks that are following the Lord in baptism today. I think that's awesome and we got to celebrate that. Amen. That'll be happening in just a few moments, but I want you, we're going to pray in just a moment, but I want us first to recognize that we have two, two miracles that are here today. I got two of them sitting in the same pew. It wasn't too very long that we were praying for a young man, Adam, who, Adam was in ICU at the hospital, scared to death this young man, his spleen had ruptured, and we were praying and believing, and, and it, it didn't look good. When Liz called me, she was crying and upset. They were in an emergency, headed down there. He went through surgeries. He, it looked like this young man was checking out and going to heaven. But God turned it all around for him, and he's here this morning. And we honor him. Very good. How's it feel to be a miracle? Feels great. Feels good. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, we've been praying for several weeks now. I want you to see this guy is a miracle himself today. I want you to see Virgil Ambergry is in service today, right here. God bless you. I love what Liz told me. She said, look, Pastor. She goes, he's back from the dead. Virgil is feeling good, and he's here today looking fantastic. We praise God for that. Welcome home. We sure have missed you. We know you've been through it. But we're, I want you, if you will, we're, we're praying at this point in our service we always take just a few moments to stop and to honor the Lord in praying in obedience to his word for the state of Israel and for the United States of America. We, every week, we stop right in the middle of our service somewhere and we pray for Israel and we pray 
for the United States. How many of you know we need as much prayer as Israel does? We need the prayer right now. So many tragedies and so many things happening all around the world. But I'm telling you, God is a God who hears us. David said, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out of all of my troubles. I believe God's here today. I want us to pray for Brother Virgil. I want us to pray to strength on him, blessing on him, powerful, powerful prayer of faith for him. And then I want us also, if we will, to pray. Many of you already know Sister Vicki McIntosh passed away this week. The visitation will be today from 2 to 5 at Anderson Funeral Home in Franklin. And then tomorrow at 1 p.m., the service will be right here at Stratford Heights. Vicki and Jack Mack, we called him. He served as our children's pastor for many, many years. They grew up in this church. They were raised in this church. This is the daughter of Sylvia Gillespie and Brian Gillespie. And uh, we just love them and, and honor them. And, and we have known them. They've been part of our church for the last two years while Vicki has been ill. Jack told me, he said, our church has been online, shcog.com. And they've been watching every service. I want us to pray for them that God will bring comfort and strength to them, to the boys, Jeremy, Jason, Jeremy's family, Becky and their children. I want us to just remember them today in prayers. We go to these, how many of you have a special need that you want recognized as an up, in an uplifted hand? We say, God, you know, you know all the details. All right, let's pray. For the Bible says the peace of Jerusalem, that we seek the good of Israel. And in so doing, we are blessed. The Bible also is clear to point out that we need to pray for one another. And I believe in our country, not only do we pray for our needs, but we pray for our leaders. We pray for our nation at a very pivotal and very important time in our history. So let's pray together. We have quite a bit of prayer to do. Father, we come to you this morning. We honor you in the name of Jesus Christ, realizing and knowing that our power does not reside in our own strength, our own might, but Lord, it is in you. Our strength is in you. Our power is in you. Our deliverance and our healing is in you. We thank you for Brother Virgil, who's here today. God, will you strengthen him and continue to bless him physically, touch him, Lord, emotionally minister comfort to him, and Lord, let your work be accomplished. Give him a good day today, being in your house. I praise you and thank you for Adam who's here today. God, a miracle, this young man. We give you honor for the work that you've done in his life. And Lord, for every hand that was uplifted, we thank you that you are a God who cares about every need. We come to you, Lord, and we ask you to touch every heart, every life, every circumstance. We believe that you are our deliverer and our healer, that you are our provider, and Lord, that you are our salvation. We give you honor today and thank you for every need that is met according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for the state of Israel. We pray that you will touch her, protect her, and keep her borders. We pray in the name of Jesus for her sons and her daughters, her families, her moms and dads. We pray that you will bless her, that you will touch her and minister, Lord, your strength as your will is outlined and lived out every day in their steps being ordered. We honor you today and we seek their good in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we stop for a moment to pray for the leaders of our nation. We pray for God-blessed America, and we ask you to touch, Lord, for there are people who are calling on your name early this morning all across this nation. From the Pacific to the Atlantic, Lord, people are still calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you honor and praise and thank you that you are a God in control, that you're on the throne, and that, Lord, every need we lay before you does not fall on deaf ears, but, Lord, 
we ask you to protect us and to keep us and to bless us and to provide for your people. And Lord, make a way at times, it seems, where there is no way. But we honor you this morning. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone together said, amen. God bless you. I want you to turn to about two people standing beside of you. Tell them, say, y'all looking good today. You can be seated. Well, we have just come through revival. How many of you enjoyed all the revival services that we had this week? Lord, it's getting us ready. I'm believing that, that our church is being, not only are we being made ready, you know, as the brick and the mortar and the drywall is going off up over here, it's amazing when you think about this revival. This revival was different probably than any other revival I've ever been in because it seemed as if the Lord was building us every single service. We were being put together and we were being built together in unity and in vision to move forward into this new opportunity that we have here and in the opportunity that's coming to us through Clayton Street. Can I share some good news with you? For the last nine months, we have been discouraged. We have been running, working with a, a, a law firm in Hamilton, and I won't call their names because I don't want to embarrass them in any way. But for nine months, we have not been able to accomplish anything. We've probably called 25 or 30 times, tried to set up appointments, tried to have meetings, tried to get things cleared up. What ended up taking place was that in order to get a clear title uh, for a deed for Clayton Street, it had to go through Columbus, and there was a lien against the property. Could not get all that fixed up, worked hard to try to get it done, had help with some folks here that are in banking that, that it was able to help us get things rolling, but it... It just seemed like the deed never was coming to us. It was never being given to us. And many times I questioned the Lord, you know, what are, what are we doing? What's going on, Lord? We believe you've given this to us. And I want you to know, God had put down in our heart to just move on to a different law firm. And so we kind of let one go. We hired a new firm. This firm, we met with him. Richard and I went over there. Now, a couple of nights ago in Revival, I told the folks, I said, we're going to be meeting with a brand new lawyer Clayton Street tomorrow, you get this ball rolling and hopefully get it done. I said, I need, how many of you will pray? And everybody lifted their hands and prayed. So we prayed that night and, we, and people were praying the next day. I want you to know, we walked in that lawyer's office and we got in there and within 30 minutes, he had accomplished what the other law firm had not done in nine months. So we are well on our way. Amen. I believe that's God answering our prayers and moving us forward. How many of you know God has a time? Everything works in his time. I'm just going to trust that every bit of this is in his timing. But it's all coming together now. I, could, I almost fell on the floor when the lawyer looked at me and said, well, I'll call you next with a closing date. I said, what? How awesome. God is a good God. But God is giving us an opportunity. And it's coming this new building that you're seeing out here, I hope you'll get a glance out there. How many of you saw the cross when you pulled in this morning? Didn't that look beautiful? You may not know this bit of trivia, but we are sitting on the highest point in Middletown, Ohio. And now that cross is looming at the very highest point in Middletown, Ohio. Isn't that wonderful? 
I felt the Lord, we're just so proud of that. That open above this city will be the, the, that cross shining beautiful for the world in this community to see. Our ushers are coming to serve you, but as they do, we're getting ready. The new building, they're telling me, will be open the 1st of August. And we'll start planning our dedication day and putting everything together. It's amazing the opportunities that are coming before us in just a few months. So we thank you for being a part of that, not only for being a part in prayer and, and helping us but in our giving, but also being willing. Many of you have stepped forward to say, Pastor, I want to serve. I want to do something. And I, I, I feel the same way. We want to do as much as we can to get as much use out of the opportunity. You know, we're, I told the crowd the other day, we're not going to know what to do with ourselves. We have been stacked on top of each other for the last 27 years. 27 years, we have seven services a week on seven different nights because we have no room. We won't know what it's like to bring some of those services together on the same night, give some of our workers some rest. We won't know what it's like to not have to set up, tear down, set up again, tear down again five times in a week for that gymnasium to be turned into a children's church and then a youth ministry, then a, a, a banquet hall or a meeting time or a sports center. It's amazing the different things that we've just lived with for 27 years. It's all coming to an end. We won't know what to do with ourselves when we've got room. But I'm believing that we're going to dedicate it and be thankful, not take it for granted. We're going to give every bit of it to God for His glory. How many would agree with me? To God be the glory. Great things He's done. Amen. So thank you this morning for your gifts. I know that you're giving because you believe and you trust in God. And that you understand and trust the economy of God. And that when you give, you're giving to Him. So let's give today in honor of how he has blessed and touched our lives. You've come prepared and ready to pay your tithe in obedience to God's word. Many of you are still giving and you're pledged to our building program. Thank you to those who have given and those who are coming on board to make a new pledge as we move forward into our new building. I would invite some of you. Some of you are new in, the, in just this last year and perhaps I've never even mentioned or given you the opportunity to make a pledge to the new building. All of us have been giving, many of us have given, and we wanted to give you the opportunity to be a part of that. All you do is just mark it on your tithe envelope, hey, new building, and it'll go right into the new fund, uh, the fund for that. So thank you for your gifts. And thank you for trusting the Lord and for being here today. You are a beautiful crowd. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you. You bless us. Lord, you provide for us. We trust in you. We look to you more than we look to our, our lives, our, our livelihood, our jobs, our bank accounts. We trust in you. And Lord, you've said that you love a cheerful giver. And you've also said that we can't outgive you. So Lord, we give today and we give cheerfully. We give honoring you and the blessing that you have brought to our lives as we trust you. We thank you for ministry. We pray that you will continue to lead us and guide us as we move in your presence. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
get you to one more time stand with us this morning all over the congregation. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, verse, I mean, Matthew chapter 28, I'm sorry, verse 18. This morning we have the privilege and the opportunity to baptize folks. I believe that it's something that especially the Lord has even spoken to me more sharply about over the last little while. As I've been studying in God's Word and I've been preparing a series that I'm working on concerning obedience, I really feel that, that God is speaking to us that, that it's in obedience that there's blessing. 
and that we need to truly understand. Jesus said, he said, why do you say that you love me, but you don't do the things that I tell you, that I command you? In the scripture text that we'll read from Matthew chapter 28, this was Jesus, more or less his last words to us as, as the church. And listen to what he says in the scripture. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Do you see how rich that is? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This morning I want to share with, with us as a church the importance and the value of our obedience in baptism and how important it is for us to understand God's work in our lives and what it all means. Let's pray together. Father, as we do come now, we ask you to touch in these few minutes. Minister your strength and your grace, Lord, and touch our hearts. Challenge us and speak to us by your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Baptism Sunday. We've turned things around just a little bit. I'll be preaching right here earlier than usual. I'll be speaking less than usual. Everybody just say a prayer. And then we're, our music will come forward and they'll do a couple of songs while we prepare for our baptismal service. I believe it's one of the most important things, one of the most important elements of the church is this time where we follow the commandment, we follow the example of Jesus in baptism. It's something that, that he made not only clear in these last words in Matthew, but he also set the example as he came down over the hill and John the Baptist was baptizing and Jesus stepped down into the water and asked to be baptized by John. Of course, John said, I am not worthy to even unloose your sandals, much less to baptize you. And in that moment, Jesus said to him, he said, let it be so and suffer it to be so. And in those moments, Jesus was making it very clear, I'm going to set forth some things that are going to help you along your way to be victorious. How many of you know we need to be a victorious, conquering Christian? We don't need to be a mediocre, half in, half out, gully, you know, in the, in the gutter kind of Christian. If we're going to do this thing, we ought to do it right. And I don't believe the Lord calls us to live halfway. I don't believe he calls us to live a mediocre life. I believe he calls us to greatness. I believe he calls us to victory. I've always said this. Why is it that so many Christians live their lives kind of in the, in the middle of the road over here, just kind of barely getting by and hiding out until Jesus comes? I think we ought to be on the forefront of everything. We ought to be right in the middle of everything that's going on. Not necessarily that we're, you know, cramming down people's throats, our ideologies, but that we are living as an example in front of others. How many of you know we are to be blessed people? 
We're to be blessed, we're to be healed, we're to be delivered, we're to be provided for, and we ought to be walking around making sure that the world knows that Jesus Christ was the greatest thing we ever discovered in our lives, and he is the answer for the whole world. He's the answer, man. He's it. I've come to that conclusion in my own life. I didn't get it because the church told me, although the church is telling you right now. I didn't get it because a preacher told me, even though I'm a preacher, and I'm telling you right now. I didn't get that and understand all of that until I found myself in an altar of prayer and I looked up to heaven and I said, I'm here. And I gave my heart and my life to Christ. When I did that, something between heaven and earth at that altar changed and transformed everything. I turned into a brand new creature. I don't have a whole lot for people who say uh, in the relationship that people say they have if they never have understood any kind of change. How many of you know that when you were transformed by Christ, you were changed top to bottom, head to toe? God turned you inside out and upside down. That's the way it's meant to be. A lot of folks today got religion, but they don't got relationship. I'm going to say that again. A lot of folks got religion, but they don't got relationship. Telling you there's something to be said about the relationship. And when you're, when you're seeking that relationship with God, the first thing I would want to tell you as a pastor is to follow the Lord. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus sets the example. We understand and know that when we are saved, the Bible makes it very clear to us that it's by faith. We cannot save ourselves. We have no power within ourselves. There is nothing you can do to be good enough. You can't be powerful enough. You can't have a good name. You can't be strong and talented. You may be the best of the best of the best, but I'm telling you, that is not qualification for salvation. Salvation comes when you and I, on a flat ground at the cross, kneel there in our hearts, bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, honoring him as king of kings and lord of lords and give our lives to him completely. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, by grace you were saved through faith in that not of yourselves. You're pretty talented. You've got a lot of certificates hanging on the wall. You've got a lot of talent and ability. You've got a lot of gifts. You're a superstar. You're a rock star. But that don't get you Jesus. That don't get you salvation. Sorry. That isn't what does it. What does it is when we humble ourselves and break ourselves and surrender and abandon ourselves to the cross of Christ, knowing that in his death, burial, and resurrection, we have new life. It comes through Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For in Christ, Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We know and understand and we teach it, we preach it here, that if a man will believe in his heart, the Bible says in Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believes unto justification. But we also understand that if a man believes in his heart, then he has to confess. In the confession of that faith, there is that is like the, it seals the deal. If a man will believe in his heart and confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that man will be what we call, and we talk about the transformation all the time, 
We call it being saved, being born again, redeemed. You'll hear us sing about wash in the blood. You'll hear us use all of these connotations, but it all means the same thing. What it means is that Jesus' sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice for us, has substituted in our place the wages of sin being death and given us life through his sacrifice. We are saved. How many of you are saved this morning and you know it? I started to say, how many of you are saved and you know it? Say amen. 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 I got a kid's song in my heart. Born again, redeemed, transitioned from death to life, from darkness to light, hopelessness to hopefulness, slavery and sin to being a slave to God Almighty. It was Paul who wrote and said, I, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he meant that in more ways than just the shackles and the chains that was on his arms and legs. I believe he meant what I feel in my own heart this morning. Man, I tell you, when I discovered him, when I found him to be true in my life, and I found him to be that transforming power, I'm telling you, nothing was ever the same again. I can take you back to the day. I can take you to the time. I can take you to the place. And many of you can even quote it. Yeah. Hair Arena, July 2nd, 1981. I know. But I've preached about it so many times. You know why? Because that night transformed and changed my whole life. Amen. I was turned upside down. I laid in my bed all night, stared up at the ceiling and cried because it wasn't mama's religion anymore. It wasn't daddy's religion. It wasn't the church of God's religion. It wasn't anybody else that was telling me what I ought to do. It wasn't old sister Brooks pulling me by the earlobe trying to get me to go to the altar when I was a rebellious teenager. It wasn't any of those things. It was the fact that I came to him on my own. I prayed the biggest prayer you'd ever pray, one of the most theologically correct prayers you can pray. I looked up and said, I'm here. Someone says, well, I ain't going to do it. It did it that night. That's all I got to say. It did it that night. Of course, I followed with, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Take hold of me, and then I jumped up on stage and did a Rocky dance in front of 3,000 people. It was an awesome night. It transformed and changed everything about me. I remember the night I was baptized. I remember I was a nervous wreck. I, I got in there, and, and I didn't really understand what the baptism meant. I just knew that I needed to do it. So I signed up. It wasn't until later that I really began to understand what baptism means. You see, when the heart is full, there must be a declaration. There must be a, an announcement. That you, you can't keep it to yourself. The, the day after I got saved, I walked into Best Products on Salem Avenue where I was working as toy house manager. And I walked in there and looked at all the po folks at the customer service desk and back in the warehouse. And, and I walked up to this wonderful, beautiful little Catholic friend of mine. And, and I looked at her and I said, Karen, I said, I got saved last night. And she said, from what? And I said, man, I went to camp meeting. And she said, camp? You went camping? No, it was camp meeting. It was a revival meeting. It was a church meeting. Man, it was awesome. Power of God fell. I went down front and I got saved. I accepted Christ into my life. She said, oh, I was confirmed at age seven. And I said, all right, that's good. But I had to tell it. I had to tell it. I couldn't keep it inside. I told everybody. I wasn't ashamed. It was such an awesome, transforming, dynamic experience that I couldn't wait to tell people about it. 
Oh, for the days that the conviction would bring us to an altar and repentance would bring us into transformation again. A day when we would truly begin to understand Jesus didn't come to pat you on the back and put your name in a membership role. He came to turn you upside down and transform and change your life. He came to give you eternal life through him with a hope and a promise of heaven. You know, when Vicki McIntosh passed away the other night, I realize and know it's a sad time for the Gillespie family. It's a sad time for Jack McIntosh and his boys. It's a sad time for us as a church. But let me show you something, what's on the other side of that. Over here, there may be an empty chair, but understand this. The moment she closed her eyes, the moment she stopped taking breath right here, Oh, let me tell you what happened. She immediately opened her eyes and took in a big breath of heaven. She took in some air she had never experienced before. She saw things she never dreamed of. You and I think we've got a good picture of heaven. But I'm telling you, Vicki McIntosh knows more about heaven than any preacher living on the face of this earth. She's seen for herself. She's touched and smelled. She's there right now, and she's already in a couple of days of her first tour. I'm sure she's as happy as she can possibly be. Oh, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait. I can, I can just hear him walking through the crowd, and she's seeing that loved one and this loved one, and she's going down the street looking at things left and right, and she all of a sudden stops, and there he is, right in the middle of that crowd, looking at her, smiling, and he calls her by name, Vicky. Y'all ain't feeling what I'm feeling up here. I'm about ready to go run. Vicki, well done. Now, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the promise and the reward of those who will hold to faith and follow in their obedience to God. You have to declare it. You have to. You just can't keep quiet about it. It's like the Bible talks about a fire shut up in our bones. We, we can't be quiet. We've got to tell it. I live for us as a church to once again be excited about serving Christ. It's not about being a Christian in this, this modern society. It's about being a follower of Christ Jesus who is alive and well, sitting at the right hand of the Father, who is in control as the sovereign king of the entire universe. That's what it's about. I wish we'd get excited about that again. I wish we'd get us to where we couldn't hardly stand it. That if somebody wanted to just break out and start singing Amazing Grace, we wouldn't be able to contain ourselves. The altars would fill up with folks and the aisles would fill up with people that want to once, once more want to get out and lift up their hands and lift up praise to God saying it was amazing the grace that saved my soul, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Oh, that we get more excited about that than we do the playoffs and, and the lottery and everything else going down, whether it's Republican or Democrat. I wish we'd have a revival of Christianity where we truly would be excited about the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it again. Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to be ashamed. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the power of the gospel. For it is, I'm not ashamed of, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to them who believe the Jew first. All of us. Amen. Boy, that just, 
I'm getting like Halfheimer's or something. Something just took place. I'm telling you, these are promises. These are things to hold on to. These are good things for us to understand. This morning, we get the privilege. Folks are going to be baptized in a few moments. And it's, it's got to be more. Some of you are in the audience this morning. Let me tell you what you're fixing to do. You're not just going to, you're just not going to go, I heart Jesus. Everybody on all their social media, I heart you. What's that mean? Take more fiber. I know what it means. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of love. I heart you. I heart Ohio. You might heart the elephant or heart the donkey. Who knows? We heart things, don't we? I love things. I love a lot of things. When I use that word, sometimes it's, it's sometimes used a little too much in our society. I love Italian food. Oh, I love Italian food. Maggiano's. Oh, my goodness. I think the, I think the Lord anointed that place. I love my friends, my family, I love my church, I love my recliner at home. I love my garden, I got pineys growing out in the front, they're just so beautiful, they're so heavy down with these roses, they just fell down into the grass, they're so pretty, I love them, I love cereal. That's kind of like drawing a big old heart next to it, saying, I heart you. I heart you. It's a symbol for the word love. But when we get baptized, it's not about just saying, I heart you, Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm going to go be baptized. Oh, you are? Yeah, I heart him. It's not about hearting him. It is about giving your heart. But it's different. You see, baptism, Albert, is is us looking at Christ, it involves so much more, it's deeper. I think sometimes we look at baptism and we don't understand the, the, the depth of it and what it genuinely means. Listen, I think in a few moments that we might have some takers, some people that would just say, Cameron, we talked about it earlier, we might have some folks run up here and say, I want to be baptized in all my, my Sunday best. I know I, after I studied through some of this today, I was thinking, man, I, I wish I could be baptized all over again. Baptism is not just hurting, it's not just loving, it's not just, it's not just a, a, a deed that you do. It's not a little thing, it's a big thing. Jesus commanded in his last words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Jesus sent word that baptism is our faith, the faith to receive Christ the faith to accept Christ in action. Go back to the heart. It's different than me just, you know, hanging out with folks and saying I love Italian food and I, I love you, buddy. Fist bump. It's more along the lines of a gentleman taking his girlfriend out to Maziano's about 7.30. Got a little violin band over here in the outside cafe and got it all set up and they've, he's worked ahead of time and just about time when they're going to play their song the gentleman looks over and winks at the waiter and the waiter brings a silver platter out to the table walks up to the table 
and gets ready. And just as the young man stands up, takes his handkerchief and kneels down on one knee right by her side and cues the music. And they begin to play their song as the lid is taken off and there's a beautiful diamond ring. A symbol, a symbol of the heart, but a symbol that means much, much more. It's a symbol that says, I love you with my life, with my future, with all that I am. I commit to you and give to you myself. Will you marry me? And in that moment, if she says yes, life is transformed and changed. I see baptism a lot like that today. It's a pronouncement. It's more than just a symbol. A lot of times we'll say baptism is a symbol of our love and our commitment to Christ. It's more than that. It's more like an engagement to a marriage. It's like saying when you go down with him, the Bible is clear to point out what it means. It's written all through the word. The scriptures declared that it's us being, when we're being baptized, we're being buried with Christ. Buried with him and then resurrected with him in new life. It's us experiencing and making a declaration, a, a faith act, if you will. It's not just a heart, but it's a heart with a confession. It's a heart and a confession that says, Jesus, I believe you're the king. I believe that you're the Lord. I believe that you're the mighty God who created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. God, I believe I know, I accept your sacrifice. I accept you into my life. I declare you are Lord of my life and I will follow you now. I will follow you in your commandments. I will live out my faith now. I will make an act, an expression of my faith. I will be baptized. And then in that moment when that happens, I believe heaven is very aware of what's taking place in this sanctuary. I hope you can spend a few moments here and you don't slip out the side door unless you have to. It used to be years and years ago. We would do a baptism at the end of a full service. And we'd say, now y'all, hang on, we're going to do some baptism. And about three-fourths of the congregation, while we were changing our clothes and turned our back, was out the door. And I'd come back out, or Pastor Watkins would come back out, and half the crowd was gone. I want us to see it as a romantic declaration of our faith in God, an act of engagement, an act of beauty, recognizing the beauty of his holiness. It involves, what I love about it, it involves the entire body we emerge in baptism in our church. We believe in immersion. And in that process, it makes sense. How beautiful is it when Jesus said to be baptized and he himself was baptized in the river? That we baptize our entire body going down with him and coming back up with him. Down, buried with him and then resurrected a new life. Reenacting that in our own lives. We die with Christ. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible that helped me as a young man and as a minister, even as a young minister in serving the Lord, 
Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It said, for I am crucified with Christ. Do you have it up there? I'd like all of us to read it together if they would. Galatians 2 and 20. Read this with me. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible because that points to one clear, distinct fact. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot be righteous in our own power, but in allowing Christ and as we follow him in obedience, declare him as Lord of our lives, it becomes Christ who lives in us. Well, that set me free when I was a young man. I remember getting on my face a thousand times, praying, trying to be discipled and trying to grow up in the Lord. And I'll never forget when the Lord showed me his love and power and how that I would never be able to live holy and righteous within my own strength. But as I have surrendered and given and abandoned myself to Christ, I found that the power supernaturally began to fill my soul and help me to move in a victorious and overcoming Christian life. This morning as we baptize, we are declaring these folks, and I want all those who are being baptized that are here today, I want you to stand right where you are. Amen. All over the congregation. Amen. I want you to understand this morning, it's a romantic thing. It's an engagement between you and the Lord. It may be that you're being baptized for the very first time. It may be. It may be that you've renewed a commitment with Christ and you're doing your first works over before him. However it is, see it as a major depth of expression from your heart to God saying, I declare you my Lord. I heart you with all I am, but now I am all in, all in. Isn't that amazing? I want you to stand with me all over the congregation. I'd like to dismiss all of those being baptized to the baptismal preparation rooms. And as they go and they're getting ready, it takes me back to Peter. When Jesus was there washing the feet of his disciples, Peter refused and said, no, Lord, I won't let you baptize me or I won't let you wash my feet. And Jesus looked at him and said these words. Let me read what Peter said. He said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if I did not wash you, you have no part with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, all of me. I thought I would have no part with him. I couldn't bear that. Not after all these years. See, you've come way too late to tell me that he's not real. I don't need a church to tell me. I don't need a preacher to tell me. As a matter of fact, I doubted when they told me when I was young. I didn't necessarily believe every, everybody who come along and said, I believe and I'm a Christian. Are you? I didn't believe all them all the time. Their testimonies were good. Some touched my heart. 
Some were good. They were great witnesses. They, the ones that spoke to me the most were the ones who just lived it in front of me. Come on, say amen to that. But the greatest evidence in my life that Christ was real was July 2nd, 1981. When I got up from that altar and, and, I, I, and God must have set me up beautifully. I got up from that altar. I was practically shaken under the power. I felt God so strong. I turned around and you'd thought maybe I'd seen the preacher. Or maybe I'd seen my mama who was crying and, you know, all happy. And maybe another family member or friend. Or, no, I turned. And you know who I saw? I looked right into the face of my arch enemy. I can't make that up. There he was. And he was round. He, I, you couldn't miss him because he was large. And as, he, as I looked into his eyes, I looked right at him. It was like this, this setup. I turned from the altar, tears still in my eyes, trembling under the power, and I looked right into the face of my enemy, a man who had hurt my, some loved ones of mine, my family, a man who had said terrible things and done terrible things. And I looked right into his face, and you know what? Sister Boyer, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it happened. I looked at him and I called him by name and I said, I love you. And I reached my arms all the way around. And I hugged the life out of him. He didn't know what to think. He got, he got gruff. He goes, I love you too. And I walked away from that with a smile on my face. Walked up to my family and my friends and I was like, wow, something happened huge. Because I wanted to like pea shoot that guy about an hour ago. I wanted to trip him in the hall. Oops, there you go. <laughs> Here I am, full of love for him. And you know, it's been that way ever since. Melissa, God changed my life. He turned me upside down. I'm not the baddest, best. I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the best guy in the world, I'm not all of those things. I ain't no superstar, but here's what I am. I have found a relationship with Christ, and I'm a son of God. I belong to him, and I have found him, and I will never deny him. I would rather die than deny him, because he has changed me, turned me upside down, filled me with his Holy Spirit, and I am living a dream. Not because I don't have trials and troubles, but I'm living the dream, because I have found that he is there and he is real, and I've never, ever been forsaken, not one time. In every trouble and every trial I've ever been through, I have found that at the end of my trial, when I get through it and I've supernaturally gotten through it, I find he was there all the time. He is my God, and I love him this morning. Do you love him? Why don't you put your hands together and give him praise? Hallelujah. The choir is going to sing. I'm going to go get ready. We're going to celebrate and baptize, folks. I can't promise that there's not electric up there. And it's going to be a real trial of our faith this morning because the heater didn't work. Somebody pray for instant heat right now. But I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you don't know him like that, you don't have that experience with him, I wouldn't dare go up there. And take care of these folks that are ready to go until I first have given you an opportunity. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you know Jesus for yourself? Have you experienced him for yourself? 
Do you have relationship with him? Has it transformed and changed your life to know him? Have you invited him in? And have you done more than just heart him? Have you given your life, made him Lord of your life so that you could experience an encounter with him that, that is powerful and mighty, the same power that created the whole earth? That God waits to be inside you. He wants to live in your heart this morning. He doesn't want you to leave without him. Are you here today? And you'd say, Pastor, I want to pray a prayer with you to receive Christ. That's my first step. Then I'm going to follow him in obedience, and I'm going to make him Lord of my life. If you're here today and you'd pray that prayer with me right now, don't just shoot your hand up and right back down. You're here today. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? I want to be saved this morning. I want God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Hands are going up everywhere. Pray, saints. Pray, children. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm not leaving here today until I've prayed to receive him into my life. Step one. God bless you. Anyone else? A few seconds. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. Greatest decision you'll ever make in all of your life. The purpose and reason behind turning the lights on in this church house today is you. Is there anyone else? Several hands have went up. Let's pray this prayer together. It's the first step. As we said already, if a man will believe in his heart, confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's the first step. And as you accept Christ into your life, then we're going to encourage you to see our discipleship pastor out in the lobby. Or just call the office or talk to the office today. Get your name on a list to be baptized next month. We're going to move in our church to every month being baptized. Every few weeks they're going to have baptism. Because we want people to be able to take that next step and commandment to the Lord. So let's pray together right now. Church, will you help us? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I declare you're Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. Help me to grow and be discipled. I accept you as my Lord. You are the Son of God. You came and you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. I believe this in my heart. I make confession today. So therefore, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. You have just made your way into the kingdom of God. God bless you. God bless you. Lead us, Gary.
know it's, amen. It's pretty cold up here. But you know what, while I was standing here and we were singing about he is alive, he is forever risen, I thought about the fact that I just felt a little voice nudge me. I, I don't know if it's him, I'm going to assume it was. He said, there was no heater back in my day neither. <laughs> How many of you were baptized in an old-fashioned river somewhere? Oh, then all of y'all are saying, ah, oh, y'all go on. Yeah. Well, it feels like the river up here, but that's all right. The cleansing that Christ does in our lives is expressed out in our faith as we follow him in baptism. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And he's the one who said, be baptized. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. In obedience to everything he's doing today, we have several folks. We have 14 people being baptized this morning. Several of our young, young children want to be baptized this morning, and so we're asking Carolyn, who has served as their children's pastor, to baptize them today. And uh, they are, yeah, it's, it's a river. <laughs> but this is an important moment in, in their lives, so we want, this is Michaela, right? Yeah, Michaela Carmack is going to be baptized. So let's worship with our kids as they make an expression of faith and a romantic, romantic decision to follow Christ in baptism. This is Michaela Carmack, and she has loved Jesus for a long time, but she's decided to make a confession of faith. Michaela, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. wearing a shirt that says, you wish you were us. <laughs> it's Leanne's birthday. She's number 10. This will be a day you'll remember. Leanne, upon your profession of faith in the name of Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Cortez, and she loves Jesus with her whole heart. She's little. She's floating. Put your, put your hand. She's gasping for breath. Upon your profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Miller, this 
morning in church, when we had Sunday school this morning, I asked Kirk, I said, what is the most important thing that you have in your life? And he said, God. So upon your profession of faith, put you down. Okay, hold your nose anyway. <laughs> we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Emily is coming to be baptized this morning. She is one of our students at Ohio Christian Academy. And uh, do you have anything you'd like to say? You've accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You want to follow him in baptism. Emily, it's my honor as your pastor to baptize you this morning in the name of, according to your confession of faith, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Andrew Memkus, his sister Emily, was just baptized. And this is another one of our students at Ohio Christian Academy. So proud of this young man. Gotten to know him this year, and he is just a wonderful young man. If you've never had the opportunity, stop him somewhere and, uh, and just get in a conversation with him. You, you'll love him. But he serves God and loves the Lord with all his heart. According to your confession of faith, then I will, I will baptize you this morning as your pastor. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Amy Patton. Amy, would you like to say anything? Okay. You accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Following him in your confession now this morning to be baptized. It's my honor as your pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Rhonda Tribby, and we're so delighted. She is a young lady. She's grown up in our church, and she is a faithful mom and wonderful wife, and her family is here with her today. You've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, and you want to follow him this morning in that confession, an expression of your faith, to be baptized. It's my honor as your pastor to baptize you, Rhonda, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sarah, you've accepted Christ into your life. Yes. Is there anything you'd like to say? 
Amen. So been waiting for this all week. Oh, been praise very God. Excited. Amen. Let's praise God. Well, it is my honor, my privilege as your pastor to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. get this exactly right. This is Maria Rosario Maldonado Rodriguez. Rosario. Amen. Amen. All right. You've accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You want to follow him this morning in his commandment to be baptized. Amen. It is my privilege as your pastor baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jimmy Nichols. Jimmy, you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Yes, I have. Amen. Is there anything you'd like to say? No. Okay. Uh, you've accepted him into your life and you desire to follow him, the commandment of his word, to be baptized this morning. Amen. It is my honor as your pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. known as Bud, Bud Kales. Bud first came into our youth group many, many years ago when I was youth pastor, and I've known him for a long time. I'm very thrilled to be a part of this day as you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Is there anything you'd like to say? Okay. You desire to follow him in the commandment of his word to be baptized. Would you do that this morning? My honor and my privilege as your pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's one more time thank God for these that have accepted Christ and are following him in baptism this morning. Again, if you would like to be baptized, if you accepted Christ this morning, or if you have need of being baptized, all you need to do is let us know. Let the church office know. You can let any of our staff know, and they'll put your name on our list. We'll be contacting you. It's a good day today. It's been a great week of revival. It's a wonderful day today. I don't even know how many folks. I think seven or eight people accepted Jesus Christ into their lives this morning. Amen. We'll be coming back this evening at our regular time, 6 o'clock, for evangelistic service this evening at Stratford Heights Church of God. Hope you all can come. If you can't, have a wonderful and blessed day today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. 
To God be all the glory and all the honor. I pray that you will be with our people as they now, the church not being dismissed, but the church just, just leaving the building. We thank you that we go in the power of your might, that we go with victory, and we go, Lord, knowing that you are a God who loves us and you've ordered our steps. We give you praise today and we honor you as we go about our day living in the blessing of your love. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.